stories turn songs into symphonies, events into memories, and lives into legends. In our crowded world, knowing your story cuts through the noise so you can make your mark, whether you want to sell more books, increase profits, or just make a difference. At Sterling & Stone, story is our business. The Story Studio Podcast is where we explore ways we can all tell our stories better. And now, with the Story Studio Podcast, number 37, here's Johnny, Sean, and Dave. All right, welcome to part two, I think. I, I, I think I tried to break this at a, at a good spot because I think I, I had a quite follow-up question I wanted to ask. Sorry, part two, I'm not giving context. So last time we talked about kind of the stories that are in our lives that make them in, that make their way into books and that inform stories. And Dave said that he doesn't like to pull from real life. And then my follow-up was going to be, but Wait, yes. actually, but yeah, before you dig into the follow-up, the, just to be clear, there's no right or wrong way on any of this. So for me, both are enjoyable. Dave does treat the story as a more sacred place. Um, Johnny and I treat the story as, it's almost like uh, with, with Dave, Dave wants to tell the, I don't know, the, the most real, most authentic version of that story, right? Like there is a there is a pristine version and he wants to excavate that. For Johnny and I, I think we're approaching it as um, we're going to tell the version that only we could tell. This story is only going to exist because of what we put into the story. So naturally putting as much of ourselves into that story is what makes it our thing. So it's a totally different approach. Well, it's but probably worth are- mentioning that it's our approach isn't frivolous. Um, there have actually been times when Sean wanted to include something and I've kind of gone, I don't know that I can do not that. Not at this point, things. not at this point in the, in the story. We're too late. Things have gotten too serious. There was one of those just in the last book. I don't remember it's what the, it no, was. No, it's the current book and it was a character name that you thought was really funny. And I said that I, I just, <laughs> because the difference oh, yeah. is, so the difference is if we're writing something that is meant to be first and foremost funny, like that's kind of the primary aim of it, then anything goes. <laughs> but it, then anything else would go, maybe I could say. And um, but in in a book that once it's gotten kind of serious, then then it does raise a flag. Then it does say, "Hey, look at me! I'm trying to be funny." The story does, and that 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 I that I usually don't like. I know that there was this isn't a story pulled pulled from real life, but but maybe it was. Like I feel like it was something where we saw something maybe when we were together, something real in real life, and then you adapted it. Actually, I think it was, and it was in one of the Unicorn Western books where you're talking about like an uh, an Edward oh, celebration. No, no, no. no I, I know exactly what this was because this was the first time this came up in our partnership where because because Unicorn Western had been fun. Like it was, I mean, I call you after dinner and like, dude, you got to make chili sacred. And you like rolled with that shit, like whatever crazy idea there was. But the books were earlier in the series. Things got really serious around book seven and then by book eight um there's I had eight a, of them there's nine. <laughs> oh my god um, a 250,000 word joke, a joke at into expense. the ground forever do no, you realize there's a half million words that i have penned directly at your humorous expense <laughs> <laughs> um that's commitment <laughs> well i mean the story did get very serious and i remember we were at um we were at this chinese buffet and there were these, you could get cotton candy on these little like horns. And when they were all done, Haley 
had one of them and she held it up to her head and she said, look, it's like Edward. And, and she I was said, like, what, 12 at the time or 13, something like that? Um, 12. I mean, we were still in Cincinnati. So actually 10, um, uh, nine, maybe, I mean, little. Um, and so uh, uh, I, I suggested to, to Johnny, hey, what if like, because Edward, the unicorn's like a celebrity at this point. What if all the little kids like are doing that? And they're like, hey, I'm Edward. And they're galloping around. And he's like, yeah, maybe three books ago, asshole. <laughs> that just doesn't fit tonally at all what we're doing right now. Right. Having a celebration with, it, it would have had to have a certain tone to it. And and that sort of thing, like, because I do think that a lot of those things you can, you, you see that the author's trying to have fun. Even if it's a serious story, you can tell that they're, it's, they're having fun with it. And the tone of that book just, it just didn't, it just didn't work. And so we do weigh those things. Um, but to, but to bring this back around, so Dave, you said you don't mine real life, you don't use real stories. And yet I would argue that from what I've read and heard about CI books, those are way more auto, autobiographical than anything that Sean and I have done. I agree with that. Yeah, so, but I, what's the line? Well, I don't take actual event. I don't um, <clears throat> like a lot of my stuff is born from tragedy, and if it's tragedy that happened to me, then I want to change it up. I don't want to. I don't want to do it exactly because it's it, it feels. I don't know. It, it, it should be somebody else's story, not mine. If it's like. Uh, any number of horrible things I've read in the news, then I definitely want to skew away from that because I don't want to uh, belittle somebody's actual experience or their life. So I kind of, I don't know, a collective misery of everything that has ever occurred and just kind of pick and choose from it and try to hew far away from the actual events. But you're clearly inspired by them in a way oh, yeah. that I couldn't write those stories, for instance. So well, how are you, what are you pulling and what are you leaving? Um, the for feeling? instance, the, the type, right. Like, so I was going to say the type of person who does the bullying, it feels like is almost an archetype that you have experienced and known. I would say that the feelings of the person who is being bullied or attacked also. You well, okay, that's a good point, Johnny. So Dave writes in archetypes much, much more than, than what we'll do. So Dave will have, it doesn't matter what the, um, the actual story is. Here's a good example. So we're, we're developing a story. I have no idea when this will even come out, um, but it's, coming out in the world of invasion at some point and it's going to be something that dave and i work on together mm. but the um the, the actual outline the very first version of this outline was dropped off on my desk uh, a week ago by joel um and joel's job like what i tasked him with was okay dude this is this is going to be like it has to have all of dave's sensibilities in it and everybody like in the company at this point knows what that means. And he really rocked it. Like you'll see Dave, uh, it's got, uh, I mean, it's got like a mom getting violently murdered as she gives birth to her baby. <laughs> <laughs> Pages ripped right from Dave's diary. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really does have some very Dave tropey things. It's got a false very prophet. David Christmas. <laughs> it's got, it's got uh, a false prophet. It's got like a freak, a freak show. Um, gifted child um it's got a lot of a lot of daveisms but it's like dave will write in tones if we all said hey write a dave story we kind of 
you know, it would be like, a I kind of hate that I'm so predictable. I want to <laughs> go away from that all now. <laughs> well, but, but only you can do that. Like Johnny and I are really, really adventurous. So Dave, when you and I want to tell a story, um, I, I definitely know what ground we're going to tread. And so it's like, hey, how can we get a big idea within, you know, this this kind of framework where it's it's almost the opposite when Johnny and I are picking at a story. It's like the idea can be anything. Like there is no like we're, we will or will, will not approach that subject. It's once we decide on that subject, how will we dial in on that? And I think we figured that out really early because we went from Unicorn Western to The Beam, which were tonal opposites. And then we did that thing where, hey, let's write six pilots. And then we ended up, <laughs> right? And they all had different tones. So on the dramatic side, we had Robot Proletariat, uh, Namaste, and Cursed, which were all very, very different in tone. You know, we got very dry, um, horror, kind of intelligent, classic, humorous sci-fi and um like real bloody revenge like but there that's how i knew okay well we can kind of write anything so let's just decide where our voice is but yeah i think your daily life has a lot to do with you know how you write and what you think about it and what kind of pictures you want to take with your words yeah i i think i tend to write from an outsider's perspective um because that's how i spent most of my life but now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of depressing, so fuck it. <laughs> but well, it almost we're, we're, seems like I don't see – this is another impression that I have. I don't think you're necessarily drawing from life in the way that Sean and I draw from life. For, for, for me, it feels like it's a grab bag and it's, it's like, oh, cool, look what's in there. It feels like you're more haunted by it and you can't oh, not write those things. Definitely. It, it, it is uh, – it's an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, okay. I, I actually want to know cleaning out my closet <laughs> does it help uh yes and sometimes it's very painful it's a little bit above it's cathartic um i don't i just feel a need to tell certain kinds of stories i guess um i don't know how to explain it better than that it's just it's just what I've always felt. All right. Whose turn is it to actually ask a question? Oh man. Actual questions. Um, you. Okay. Um, then I'm going to go with Dave <laughs> and I'm going to ask him. Um, do you remember when was Dave there, wasn't going to talk on this show? I totally <laughs> do, but I, but I prefer this version. Um, was there ever an event in your life that defied explanation? Ooh, I actually have one of these. <clears throat> Uh, I've had a few events. Um, when I was a kid, I had, uh, two, two houses behind me. I lived on a corner, like at the end of the street and there were two backyards behind mine. So one of them was, uh, my best friends, uh, at the time, two brothers. And I had, um, the my my parents had washed my curtains, so I had no curtains covering my windows, and that scared me. Because um, there was another time. Oh, that's another unexplained event. I have a few unexplained <laughs> events. <laughs> I have a few too. Um, 
there was one time I was before they, they again same situation. Curtains were being washed. I was doing my homework, and I was like seven or eight, I think. And I was doing homework, and I was um, kneeling, and I was like writing on the bed. And I looked up, and I see some something or somebody in the window looking at me, but it, it did not look like a person. It it looked like like the was most it Johnny. Yes, it was Johnny's abs. <laughs> It looked like the most deformed person I'd ever seen. And he was almost like ghostly white. And I remember it very clearly and it scared the shit out of me. And I went running and I told my dad, my dad goes outside with a knife or whatever, uh, or just his shotgun. I don't even remember. Um, nobody was out there. But the next day when I went I t- to look under my window, there was, um, there was an area that was like all messed up. Like somebody had been there and, I don't know. That kind of freaked me out. But the other un- the other unexplained thing was um, I, I had this dream. I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a UFO floating over the, the tree that was in the backyard of my best friend's house. And I remember looking up at the UFO and there was like a light coming down onto the tree. And then I looked into their window because their window also faced this tree and they were looking up at the UFO and they were jumping up and down and they looked at me. So the next day uh, I went over to their house and, and I never thought it was real at all. Um, But the next day I went to the house and they're like, we had the weirdest dream about you. And I said, I had the weirdest dream about you, but I, I was smart enough to like not give them details and I wanted to see if that's how they get you. Yeah. (laughs) We had the same exact fucking dream. And and like to this day, I have no explanation for that. And I had it happen twice in my life. You guys, were you guys having an ayahuasca at the time? Yes. 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 I, I had it happen. I had shared dreams with the people that were next door to me twice in my life. And and I find that very fucking weird and unexplainable. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Johnny. Uh, there, there, oh, one other thing. <laughs> uh, and, and this is. Um, I'm glad we got this version of Dave instead of the tired one. Shut up. <laughs> he always wakes up. When when I was nine years old, uh, around that time, I wanted. Um, my mom had a, a, they used to sell those uh, Tootsie Rolls in the, the bank, you know? Well, I thought you were going to say you went to the bank to buy Tootsie Rolls. I was very confused. No, they, they had it like in a bank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she had it on top of uh, this high hutch that I couldn't reach. And I have a very vivid memory of walking over to the hutch, floating up and getting them, and then going back to the couch and laying down. Um, but but that's not the entirely, that's not the weirdest part of this story. My wife and her two sisters, when they were kids, they have distinct memories of floating up and down their fucking stairs on several occasions at night. <laughs> and, wow. and if you knew my wife, you would know that A, she has... No supernatural beliefs whatsoever. Um, and she 
she does she she she's not like that kind of per- none of her her sisters nor did she love the dishwasher nor did she love the dishwasher <laughs> all three of her sisters are like the 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 last people in the world that would make up a story like they're just not that they're the most honest people i know and the fact that they all had this weird ass experience and i also had a floating experience is just i don't know it's just weird shit so yeah and johnny what was your un- uh, unexplained adventure um i was in europe with uh, a friend of mine i was backpacking through western europe no um and um we were Hostile. we were there for we were there for like a a, a week and um oh, that was a friend's joke in case you didn't catch it there yeah we what, were what's friends i have no friends backpa- backpack friends, no, the friends the show backpacking through western europe it's it's joey's pickup line like tipadabo <laughs> Um, yeah. So anyway, so I, um, uh, we were, um, we were in Heidelberg and we didn't really have a lot of agenda. It was just Wiener like, it was just like, you know, you, you, the Euro pass, you could just get on a train and go and travel for a day. And as long as you did it with the one day, it, it was all the same price. And so we were in Heidelberg, Germany and we, we were in this, um, this, I don't know if it was a, a hotel, I think it was a hotel. And as opposed to a hostel, because you do stay in hostels and none of them were owned by Eli Roth. And we went out. You know that he's the one who made the clock in your walls movie. Oh, wow. Like he he yeah. went from hostel to I'm going to make kids films. So um, we left. He's working his way towards a kid snuff film. We left when it was before wow. before dark and we would just went and we walked around the town. And then we came back um, and it was after dark. And the hotel had like a, a foyer. So it had external doors and then it had a set of internal doors. And then beyond that was like the reception desk and stuff. And we walked in through the first doors and we were in the foyer and the, the doors were just right there, the interior doors. And I don't know, they had a flyer on them or something. And then I just stopped and I, I looked at my friend Rick and he, he looked at me and it was one of those things where like somebody had said something, but nobody had. And we sat that way for like 15 seconds. And then I said, do, do you, do you feel that? Is there, and he goes, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to get out of here. There was just something inexplicably weird on a gut level when we walked into that foyer. Now, Sean's kind of smiling because I've transplanted this this experience of kind of, you can't say why it was weird, but it was, and something was clearly wrong, even though it clearly wasn't, um, to a story. Like, I've I've told a version of this in one of our books because it was the strength, there was nothing different. It's not like somebody had written something on the door. It's not like the flyer had been added. It was the same door we went through, but we both agreed walking in there. It was just like, there was something wrong. It's the only way I can say. So we we didn't go in, we were tired, we were ready to go. And so we walked out and we walked around for another hour or so. I call that feeling Florida, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and when we came back, it was gone, whatever it was. It was again, the same door, but it was like, okay, we feel normal now. And we went in. I, there's nothing there. I mean, it's not like there's nothing objectively, but the fact that we both felt so strongly that something was wrong was worth noting. I thought in in a in a fiction sense. And well, later right. that night, the place burned down. It that, it had that feeling. It had the feeling right. of like, like did like somebody energy. die here? Yeah. Well, it's like um, I had when, that sensation <laughs> when dogs smell something, right? And you're like, okay, they know something <laughs> that we don't know, right? Like a dog can right. sense something. Like the um, feeling was. The feeling was, if we go in there right now, some bad shit's going to happen. We're going to walk in on the wrong thing. Like, I don't know, some guy going through our room or something, and then we're going to walk in and get murdered. Like, it had that feeling of it, and we just walked away. I Okay, I, so... 
Uh, no, go ahead, Dave. I, I'm I'm typically very skeptical of supernatural things and psychic things and all of those things. Uh, this is spite floating up to get the Tootsie Rolls. Yes, See, I can't explain that, and I have a feeling. I I I don't feel that it really happened, although it feels like it did. Maybe it's the most vivid dream ever. Um, but there is something that's happening recently that when it happens and it's happened maybe 10, 15 times in the past couple of years, I'll call the insurance agent. (laughs) (laughs) No, there are times when I'm thinking something and you know how off beat I think like just like, and then you turn on the radio and Rush Limbaugh saying the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, my son will say something. Along either exactly the thing that's in my head or something else, like to the point where I think like telepathically we are exchanging things like yesterday, yesterday I was going, was it, I'm hungry. No, 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 Because no. <laughs> that they're, just made me play in the odds. They never have anything to do with the situation, which is why it's so weird. If it, that, can I play Fortnite right now? Right. If it was something like that, like, oh, I know he's going to ask for Fortnite like, because it always happens. No, it's just very like like that time that you got when I asked you guys that question. Is anybody else thinking this? And you're like, no, who would be thinking that? <laughs> well, my son would be thinking. <laughs> okay. Do you remember what the question was? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But, but. Yesterday, I I was going to, and I never, ever, ever make, I, I never do this, like the, that sort of thing. I, I never do that. I, I don't he think He just made I, Isaac the bartender handguns. <laughs> yes. So I never, ever do that. Haley does finger guns. Okay. I never do that, though. And, and I can't. My son was saying something, and I was going to do it to him. But I didn't even move my hands yet. And he looked up at me and he did it. And I was like, what the fuck? I think <laughs> that like, you guys are both. Get out of my head. <laughs> your psychic energy is is you're ready to move to Austin. You're ready to be hipsters. Has he announced his decision to grow a douchey little mustache? He's a little young for a mustache. <laughs> when he can. I'll get him a fake one until I'll get him a Merkin for his. <laughs> oh, okay. What the hell? <laughs> Ah, oh, there's the part where it went too far. So, um, and and has has any of these half, half the audience is going to the, the the dictionary to determine if they should be offended? I love that I didn't even need to. Neither Sean, I don't think either. No, I, I knew the word because of um, it's, uh, it's in a TV show or something or a movie. Well, no, Neil Young's album that he recorded. Yeah, Merkin Ball. Oh, Merkin Ball. That's yeah. right. That's where I learned that word. Me too. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're just that's see that story, the story of our lives. Well, right, no, David, it's your turn. Ask you. Well, wait, 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 hold on. I want to know. So, Dave, you write about a lot of supernatural and psychic phenomena in the books. Yeah. So, yeah. is any of that sort of secondhand borrowed from any of these experiences? See, I think you're or borrowing is it for real. You want yeah. to believe too, right? Like Fox Mulder. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's other things that have happened in, um. My grandfather told me some really creepy ass stories that, like, just like if it did happen, holy fuck! But um, 
Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I would I would love to have proof of any of the the wild crazy things that I think could happen, but typically I'm skeptical of um Wait, you're skeptical? Did I ever tell you guys about the guy that came into the gas station? I, I probably did a lot. Yes, yes, sure. I, I have. I have heard that story. I've actually, oh my God, get out of my head. I've actually had the experience with a guy walking into a gas station once. <laughs> okay. When I worked, it one Fuck you. Johnny's doing finger guns. When when I worked at the, the first gas station I worked at overnight, um, it, and it was just a booth. It wasn't a store. So, like, nobody came in. So there were, like, long hours of nothingness uh, when it was dead. Um, and what happened was this old man had started coming into the place, into the gas station, who would get gas. And he came, like, r- routinely, like, every four days or so. It's a good frequency. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, enough that, like, he was a regular, but he, he didn't speak to me for a long time. Um, and then one night he, 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 he and, and he looks professional. He looks like, he looks like he might be, um, I don't know, investment banker or something. He, he looks like he's got money. He looks like he's intelligent. Um, and I, I never got a crazy vibe off of him. Then one night he comes to me and he asks, he's like, do you ever notice the people that are using your phone booth behind you. <laughs> this is back when I had phone booths. <laughs> and I'm like, well, people use them all the time. He's like, pay attention to them. I'm like, why? He's like, I'll, I'll tell you next time. So now I'm like, now I'm like, I'm going to do that when I'm rich. I'm just going to randomly go in and just talk with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm thinking maybe he's a, uh, like a, retired cop detective i don't know like oh, i thought you're gonna say he was a racist <laughs> no so uh i mean typically when you do see people using a phone booth a lot back then anyway it was uh either people that didn't have a phone because this is before cell phones uh really but people with beepers selling drugs or superman or, or, or drugs yeah it was one of the two uh and that was common and whatever so I used to crank home my girlfriend's house while we were out on payphones to prove that it wasn't me because she thought I was doing it at home. And I'm like, look, you know, for a fact, I was out with my family at this time. So over the, the course of several months, he drip feeds me little bits. I mean, he, he was re- he should be a storyteller. I mean, it was like lost, really. Uh, just little bits of uh, how was uh, the ending? <laughs> well, the ending, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So then he starts telling me about the cops using the phones. Keep an eye on the cops using the phone. Don't trust the cops that are using the phone. I'm like, what the fuck's he going on about? I'm like, why? He's like, I can't tell you now. So I'm like, okay. So he, I don't remember all the different shit he said, but a lot of it had to do with the phone booths. He was obsessed with those phone booths. So I was watching those fucking phone booths and I'm like writing shit down. Like, I'm gonna what a way to fuck with Dave. He just, he just knew you. He just knew <laughs> you, like, we know you. And he walked in there and he's like, I just got to tell this guy to watch. The phone. 
That's it. That's well, better part than of it that. is when you are alone all night and you're in a very, you're in a vulnerable place. Cause right. he gave you an OCD upper decker is what he did. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like <laughs> thinking of all, cause I did see crazy shit that happened there. I mean, regularly like just random crazy shit would happen. So this guy giving this to me is not even that far off from what normally happens. So anyway, what happened was for a while, he doesn't come in. I'm like, what the fuck happened to the guy? I'm waiting for the rest of my story. So the gas station gets closed down and they move me to another gas station uh, <clears throat> across town. So I don't so see this one guy. gas station closed <laughs> down. <laughs> Are you going to ask what I'm going to ask, which is I didn't realize they had relocation programs. Did they pay for you moving expenses? It, it, was, a, it was a corporate store. Corporate. Well, I'm just like, okay, if I work at a gas station and the gas station closes, I'm thinking it's a sign from God that maybe I stop working at a gas station. Hold on. How do we shuffle personnel to handle this one? Well, if God was sending me a signal, I ignored it for 12 fucking years of my life. All right. Was it, be, it, was it because it was all that you could drink soda? Like, what was the draw? Or it was like, the okay. night. The gas no. station is closed. I'm going to work at another okay. gas station. Here's why I liked working at a gas station. <laughs> I worked at midnight shift, and I'm naturally an insomniac, so it was easy for me to stay up. And I got paid a little bit more because I worked the night shift. Second, I didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> If you work at a gas station on any shift other than the night shift, oh, no, 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 your I, job is hell. <laughs> I don't even know why I asked you. I know who you are. I could have written that story myself. <laughs> so anyway, so I get transferred to this other gas station, and I don't see him. I see new weirdos and freaks, and and for a while I worked during the day. And holy shit, that was awful. So one day I'm out at a store, and I run into this guy. At the store, like in the parking lot, like you, I don't even remember his fucking name. I don't even know if he ever told me his name. Like, dude, okay, I gotta ask, what the fuck were you talking about? I gotta know. I mean, I've been hanging for like a year and a half, probably. So then he goes on to tell me, uh, I don't even remember everything he fucking told me. It was like a an info That's dump, my grandpa. It was an info dump of the biggest conspiracy theories ever. Okay, did you just make it up right now. I think our, uh, I think we need satisfaction. Did you tell him yeah. to slow down and said that well, real people don't talk in exposition? He, he told me about how people pass secret messages in the libraries, how you have to uh, watch the public address speakers and systems because they're broadcasting subliminal messages. And Was it Rowdy Roddy Piper? <laughs> Like they live, yeah. <laughs> um, he he didn't say tinfoil hat, but he said something along those lines to protect your brain. And at that point, I realized this guy is fucking crazy. <laughs> but but I had the thought: what if he wasn't? What if everything he said was legit? And that sort of began 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 face like some of the weirder shit that's in that. <laughs> Well, I don't want to alarm you, Dave, but there's a lot of shit that you've said that we've decided that, oh my God, this guy's crazy. I mean, if you don't change your phone company or if you... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I've got a serious question. How many people do you think have been like, 
I met this guy one time, but the story is Dave. How many, how, how many, do you think he's the subject of like a lot of like lore? Around, he certainly is around my kitchen table. Around redacted. <laughs> I saw this guy yelling in the parking lot at nobody. And since he's only comes out at night and he's, he's such a hermit, you know, they're like Bigfoot stories. Like you see him in, in the shadows <laughs> in the background. <laughs> All right. So did this just turn into worse show? Yeah. Well, that, I actually I was just <laughs> going to say, I think that this is simultaneously really interesting. I mean, I think I, I thought it was fun. Um, and sort of a, you know, lesson in what the fertile ground for, for fiction. But I also thought that we should just take this episode, these exact same thing and say, Hey Jim, put it on both feeds. And that way we serve both <laughs> masters. Uh, uh, I actually, actually kind of like a, that idea. idea. I do. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it makes sense. All right. So and what about the five people that listen to both shows? <laughs> well, then they'll just think that it's a conspiracy theory. Yes. Actually, there are secret subliminal messages sprinkled throughout the episode that only people that listen to both versions will be able to piece together the truth. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> All right. So um, thanks for listening to the story studio. I don't, I know that we're going to have some Should guests. We apologize after this episode? <laughs> no, I think that this was really good. I mean, maybe yeah, I'm crazy. I, I like this. Yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> we're, we're taking stuff from our lives and applying it to our fiction in different ways. I think that this is why we don't usually have trouble having ideas. Like whether we can get them out, that's another question, but uh, anyway, I thought it was interesting. So, yeah, and I really like talking about the differences in our storytelling styles too, because I think that you know th- that is hard. It's it's once you find who you are as a storyteller, you can go faster and you can create better work in less time. And Dave's finishing up a, a draft this weekend, and our whole goal on <laughs> draft maybe next week. <laughs> don't say that, please, please don't say that. <laughs> um, because the whole premise here is that we're trying to get Dave to go you know, like lubricate Dave, like what, what is <laughs> Ooh, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what can, that's you know, another episode <laughs> grease the rails here so that it's just writing. Because I think that Johnny and I have done a really great job of kind of cracking that code and we're getting better at it and we're getting better at it with Dave too, but it is, it is slower growing. And I think that these are the elements that will really help is figuring out what kind of story Dave can tell and it might be a good idea to start tapping more into his own personal experience in some ways. Anyway, so this has been Story Studio Podcast. Like I said, I think we're going to have some some guests coming up soon with some cool stories of their own, which is kind of the whole point, right? Like, what are more stories that we can use to... to <coughs> yeah, tell. exactly. Um, anyway, so thanks for listening to the Story Studio, and we will see you next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. You're invited to join us at the final Smarter Artist Summit on February 18th and 19th in Austin, Texas. Authors and publishing experts from around the world will join us to teach you strategies that will outlast the what's working yesterday tactics everyone else is talking about. Attendance is limited, so reserve your spot at SmarterArtistSummit.com now.